When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You've now worked for two NFL franchises. You're starting to gain this body of work, this resume, you know, presumably feeling like you're going to start working your way up, up the ranks. And then you, your life takes a turn in, in 2017 when you get some news back home. This is the Mighty Organ Podcast presented by Organ Community Credit Union. And this is part two of our conversation with Keenan Lowe, Hometown Victory. You know, in high school, you got, everyone has like their crew, right? They're, they're four friends, you know, um, and they're four close, close friends that you learned everything with, been through everything with. Um, so yeah, right after this, the season in San Francisco, I get a call from, from uh, one of our boys in, in in the crew and uh yeah he just gives me a call and and uh it was surreal obviously i can just, I just play it back all the time but he kind of told me it's uh my our friend taylor he said it's taylor and I, what happened you know and he, he said he's gone and you know it at that point it was it was it was surreal you know is it it's hard to put it in words but he said he's gone and i said what you know what happened um and he said he accidentally overdosed. Um, and it was tough. You know, it's as tough as as you can even remotely imagine. A lot of people have been through that where they lose a loved one, a parent, a best friend, a sibling. And before that, I was lucky enough in my life to never have gone through any huge losses like that. So this was the first one. Um, and it was huge, huge uppercut to, to, to my life. And uh, it changed me. It changed me for sure. That becomes as much of an impetus as anything to decide, hey, 
I need to get back home and kind of reassess where my where I want my career to take me. Yeah, yeah. I, I went I went home to uh, to do the go through the funeral and uh, and kind of do you know do the start the mourning process with family and friends and, and all of us and just as I was home, you know, you, you do when something like that happens to you, you uh, you start to think a little bit bigger, right? Life seems to be a little bit, it becomes a little bit more real. Um, when you're young, um, you know, going back to the college kids playing football at the University of War, you know, when you're young, you feel invincible. You feel like you can do anything. That's why kids make mistakes. That's why college kids make mistakes. You know, that's why kids drink. That's why they do alcohol. That's why they 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 partake and, and try different things. Um, because when you're young, you feel like you are invincible, right? And I felt that way too when I was young. I I'm not prone to any. You know, I've I've made a million mistakes. Thankfully, no one knows about them except me. <laughs> you know. Um, but I've made a million mistakes and we all have. And I felt invincible when I was on the top of the world as a University of Oregon football player. And, and my buddy Taylor, he played that Portland State. He felt invincible too. We all did. We all, you know, every, every college kid does. And then when something like this happens, all of a sudden you realize, wow, life is, is real. And when something like this happens, the only thing that life does is it just keeps going, right? So the days would pass and it's like, whoa, he's, he's gone. And I got to wake We got to wake up tomorrow. Oh, he's gone. A week passed. Oh, he's gone. Like, I got to figure out what to do next. Or his parents have to figure out what to do. Now, his his sisters have to figure out how to continue to push through and live their lives. You know, it's life becomes so real when you lose a loved one, especially a friend that's the same age as you and you've been through the same experiences. And uh, yeah, it's a weird it's a weird thing. And you learn a lot from it. And he was somebody that that struggled with um addiction uh, as far as as far as pills and and whatnot um and it's and it's scary because he started taking pills because he tore his labrum playing football right pretty so, innocent very innocent very innocent he hurt his shoulder and he got it surgically repaired and he went to the doctor and and he got put on things you know pills that were meant to help you that are meant to help you um, and all of a sudden that starts a, a, a mini path of addiction, a mini path of trying some other things. And all of a sudden you're hooked. And it's kind of like the same thing as, you know, when I grew up and saw my dad drinking a lot of alcohol, it's all of a sudden it's like they're not even making that choice to do these. They, they feel like they have to. Their body, their brain, their mind, everything is telling them, no, I, I need this to wake up tomorrow. I need this to have a productive day. And you gain a lot of empathy from that, you know. And we all knew as a friend group and his family that, that he struggled with some of these things. He'd been to treatment and, and recovered and all these things. And he was on the right path. And, and then unfortunately... Um, the crisis of opioids and fentanyl, um, you know, got him. And he thought he had pill A and he ended up having pill fentanyl. Yeah. And uh, it's a tragic story. It's, a, you know, it's, a, it's something that's happening right now. Yeah, all too familiar, probably. To all too familiar. And, and, and um, you know, that's, that's the message to young people right now for, for me. Um, you know, when I, spoke, when I speak to young people, it's, it, it's not right now experimenting with things like that 
with pills or with drugs or with powders or with anything like that, that can cost you your life even the first time you remotely exper experiment with yeah. that. And it's scary. It might be, it's probably different than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago when you knew what you were getting. Now it's really scary. And um, you know, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're a kid out there, a teenager, college student, it's, it, you have to be aware of, of what you're doing and, and you have to have that extra level of security around you that, um, you know, it's, it's, you, you just have to be aware and, and have to make the right choices. And life is about making the right choices at the right time. That's all life is. And you have to be able to put yourself in the position to make the right choices at the right times. And unfortunately, um, you know, my best friend passed away and my job from there was to find some good in it and to make, um, you know, to make to make good and, and find a meaning in, in that that tragedy. So right at that, about that same time, your brother Trey is about to be a senior in high school. Yeah. And you say to yourself, clearly, I, I was missing a lot back home. That means a lot to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back home and and reconnect with those things. Yeah. You went when you lose a loved one, you lose a friend. You you come home and then you, it puts everything into uh, perspective for you, and um, you realize what's important in life. And at that time for me, it was I realized like that I've I've missed a lot, whether it was through college football and then through the two years. Um, coaching the NFL up until that point, you know, I'd be gone for seven years from from Portland, at least, and from my family and from my friends. Um, and that just became more important to me at that time where it was, you know what, I, I want to be around. I don't want to miss anything. Um, so my brother was going into a senior year um, and I volunteered for the football team. Um, and, you know, I, I went from getting paid to, to doing coaching for free and and you're making an NFL paycheck. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was really excited about it. And Taylor's dad was on staff, Brian, uh, and it just felt special. It felt special. It felt like it was where I should be and where I needed to be in order to to heal and in order to continue to find why this happened. When bad things happen, you're always like, why, 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 why? That's the question we all ask when you're in mourning or whatever, bad things why is this happening and it and you can't you'll never get a square answer a straight answer um as to why things happen but if you're willing to do the work and put yourself in a position to receive those answers as time goes on you'll you'll get them and that's what i learned through this process so i put myself into position to you know what i'm going to come home i'm going to be around for my brother i'm going to love up the people around me i'm going to let the people around me love up on me and I'm gonna continue to 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 figure out why why this happened. And so I did did that season with with Jesuit in his senior year, and it was an awesome year. Um, and then I kind of after that I was like, okay, now what? You know, now what? And that was when Park Rose High School had an opening for their head coach position. Um, it was it had been open for months, you know. And uh, you know I was kind of was online just like figuring out, you know, like. I could go back to Jesuit coach or I could do this. And is, I, is the NFL an option still? Yeah, it's all everything's kind of in play, you know, and, and I, I've made I, at that point, I made great connections in the NFL. Um, at that point, you know, 
my brother was going to go up to UW. So I had a good relationship with Coach Peterson, even back when he was at Boise State. So that was in conversation about being a GA up there for him. Um, Coach Lubick was up there, you know, so there was there was there's a lot of things in play. And then, you know, I'm kind of one night I'm, I'm just kind of clicking through the Internet and looking at high school football and all that stuff. And Parker's high school opening popped up and I and I all of a sudden I kind of took a step back was like, yo, this this is pretty cool. You know, Park Road. I mean, they I mean, they haven't won in a long time. You know, they were 0 and 23 <laughs> at, at that point. But me being a young kid from Gresham, I, I remember Park Rose. I remember when the Gresham Gophers would go play Park Rose and absolutely destroy them. And Gresham was never good, you know. So Park Rose always was kind of that that school that was down on its luck and and never really won anything ever since I could remember, you know. And I, I saw that opening and, and it and I took a step back and I started to talk, talk it over with a couple, you know, people in my circle and was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna try to, I think I'm gonna try to go for this. Why not? Like, they're not gonna, you know, they're not really gonna find anyone else. And, you know, I, I could be a head coach. It's just, it's just ball, you know? And, and these kids probably need help. You know, it's Park Rose. These kids are going through stuff out there, you know? And uh, so I saw that opening and, and it kind of just like, it like, it clicked. And it was like, this is, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to go. And, and I went after it and, and then, and got it you know, which is, which is pretty cool. You also, you, you become head coach at Park Rose. You also start working security there. Like, is that, a, is that something you needed to do as part of the, as, as part of the coaching job because you weren't teaching? I had a part-time job and it's pretty cool. I, I discuss a little bit and, and share some, some more uh, in the book that I wrote. Um, so there were some things I that I, you know, I had a part-time job and did some things and there was ways I you know had to like survive in order to financially be able to be a high school head coach. This is really a sacrifice. It was really it was real 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 sacrifice. This is real life, you yeah. know. It, it was it's you know it 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 looks cool and when you look back at it it sounds good, but we were I was you know I I really committed to the to the lifestyle and 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 getting my hands dirty and and helping and coaching um you know at a public school like that you know and uh so i didn't start security until that winter so that whole first season or that yeah that first fall that i was there at park rose um, i was doing part-time work and and just kind of making ends meet however i could just in order to to be a to be a coach um you know at, at park rose it was the head coaching experience kind of what you hoped it could be i mean were you able to have the impact on and off the field that you kind of hoped to yeah i think i think so i had the uh i definitely had the impact that i that i set out to have um, but it definitely was much, much, much harder than I could have even remotely imagined, you know, and you got to have respect for all, all the high school coaches of any sport. It's like you get into high school coaching because you love the game and you love kids. You don't do it for the money, right. you know, and there's a lot of sacrifices that our high school coaches make, whether it's from their families, whether it's financially. A lot of these high school coaches in every sport, men's and women, they could be working, you know, a full-time job instead of that 
but instead they're going to switch around their schedule and and travel and commute and gas money and give kids rides home and buy kids meals and all that stuff and and so that that was a lifestyle that I kind of jumped into where it was it was it was much more than football and I think that's the fun thing about again the the book that I wrote is is it takes you on a journey of really what what it was everyone knows kind of the the final the final and, and the big story that came after that, but it was it was a much bigger and much better um, journey than just that one moment coaching those those kids at Park Rose. The impact you're having on the Park Rose football program is a victory on a certain level, mm-hmm. and yet you're working as you're working security at the high school and have this ultimate kind of victory for yourself, for the school, for this kid that's involved and in going through the worst day of his life, you know, we, we, we tend to crystallize, you know, people into certain moments, this moment of your life, just give us the basics of, of May 17th, 2019. Yeah, it's, is, uh, I've had so much time to reflect and I've had so many conversations about that day and kind of what led up to that day. Um, you know, again, it kind of comes down to, very simply for me is by the grace of the universe or whatever or God or however you want to look at it, I was put in a place in a in an exact moment um, because I needed to be. I was there in the exact moment um, because I was needed there. Before that incident even happened, there was so much that led up before that day. So much that led up to me being in that room at that exact time. So many lessons I learned from those kids at Park Rose, coaching them through football, learning their life experiences, learning what they were going through, learning what the youth are going through, learning the challenges, being around in it, being in the mud, being in the dirt with those kids, working security, seeing them every single day, the challenges that they fight, right at this one particular school those challenges are being fought everywhere around the country that one moment kind of encapsulated everything where the kid where a kid was going through a, a mental health crisis and again by the grace of the universe i was put there to make a difference police say an armed student entered the building but he was tackled by a coach abc's ariel reshef is here with more ariel good morning Good morning to you, Dan. What could have been a catastrophic situation was averted. Police say so you get a call that something's going on in a classroom? Yeah, as simple as that. I mean, really, it wasn't even I, the call wasn't even that something's going on. It was the call was, hey, security, bring student A to the office, please. <laughs> and it was a call you get 30, 40 times a day. When you're working security at a public school, you're on your feet all day. You're putting out small fires here, small fires there. You're delivering notes, delivering slips, taking kids to detention, you know, taking paraphernalia out of the classrooms and taking kids to the principal's office. You know, you're put, you're breaking up fights. You know, it's 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 all those things. So so just in the middle, it's just the middle of of the day on a on a Friday, and it's hey, security, bring student a to the office and so i walk down to the classroom and it's it's in the part of the building that's not connected to the uh to the main building about 100 yards away and 
and get the call. And and again, I'm I'm just going to the classroom to think I'm taking, you know, asking for a student to come to the office with me for whatever. Maybe he's going home early. Maybe his parents are there to pick him up. I have no idea. Right. And literally could could have a dentist appointment or something and needs yeah, to leave school early. Exactly. And so I get to the classroom and ask the ask the the teacher, it was a substitute teacher that day, if if the student was in the classroom and we looked around. I had a couple football kids in the class classroom and like, no, coach, he's not here. And as long as that took to say the door busts open and a kid, uh, the first thing I noticed are this kid's eyes. Um, he was wearing glasses and his his through his glasses. I could see just how red and and swelled up and teary eyed and just off his eyes were. And then obviously I noticed he was wearing a big black jacket and and um you know at that point he he opens his jacket and 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 i kid you not it was really like it was like a it was like a movie the way they do it in movies where everything kind of goes in the slow motion and you're super hyper sensitive and 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 i was able to just like think through everything so quickly and analyze everything so quickly because it just didn't even seem real so he opens his jacket and takes out a huge gun and uh, at that point, it feels like time was frozen. And I'm like, I'm looking at his eyes. I'm looking at the gun. I'm looking at what he's wearing. I'm looking at his facial expressions, all of this, like in milla, milla, milliseconds, you know. And uh, as soon as, you know, as he pulls out the gun. Um, and again, I'm I'm probably three, three, four feet from the door. Um, he doesn't know I'm right there in the classroom, obviously. And he pulls out the gun and and sadly, he turns it on his himself on his own stomach and and really as soon as he pulled it out you know it was it was like everything happened so fast but in such slow motion um that i just i just rushed him with my two hands forward um and trying to meet the gun where it's gonna meet his stomach and at that point everyone rushing out of the classroom kids are screaming update now from a teacher online saying she saw a male walk into the classroom with a shotgun said he was struggling with security officers and they were in uh the fine arts building copy this is a, possibly going to be an active shooter now at park rose high school need more cars so 942 930 and i get both hands on the gun and so then we're, we start to wrestle around the classroom and we bang in the file cabinet bang outside the door and the door opens and just as kind of that door opens that's when i'm able to just rip the gun from him and it really did feel like i i had superhuman strength that that you know your your adrenaline is everything was just insane it was crazy so i wasn't letting go of that gun and and uh there was no way he, i would have lost a wrestling match to to eric armstead in that moment you know <laughs> anyone People, I mean, you, you hear know? about that moments of crisis where yeah it was like somebody lifts a car off it was crazy a member or something yeah. it was real you know yeah. it was like so real it was crazy i felt you know so so and i was able to think through everything so clearly thankfully I don't know why, I don't know how, but everything was just like so clear um, as far as like, okay, what to do next? You know, okay, have the gun. He's holding the gun. This kid has a gun in the classroom. Kids are screaming. Okay, make sure the end of the gun isn't pointed towards anyone, including him or me. And then once I get it, it you know, I, I okay, how do I get rid of this gun and hold this kid off? Okay, call the, call the teacher. Teacher comes out, hand him the gun. And then still holding on to the kid, then the kid starts to break down. Yeah. And that's when real 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 life again continued to happen and you, and i i got to really i i got to see his face again and 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 feel him and 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 uh feel what he was saying and 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 uh he was just he was so scared you know and i've said this a few times but it's 
it's like when when you're a, when you're a kid and when you're young you don't know what's happening often um, until it's over you know so that, again that's why young people make mistakes you're not thinking about the consequences. You're not thinking about how real of this action that you are taking, because you're not you're not thinking about it until it's over. Right. And to me, that was an instance where he didn't think about the end. He didn't really think about the end, right? He didn't really think about it. He didn't know what he was doing. He had, you know, he it was almost like he was brainwashed, and that he he wasn't there, you know, and he didn't know what he was doing. And once I got the gun from him and and was able to kind of hold him and and kind of secure him then that's when he like kind of came back and was like whoa and he's like i didn't want to hurt anybody and breaks down yeah. and and but to the me, first thing you had noticed was his eyes yeah the, so before any of this happens it's it's registered with you this kid's going through something bad and so ultimately you're not seeing him I and mean, obviously he was a threat to himself for a moment but as soon as that passes, he breaks down, the threat is removed, and instead of you being like, I gotta get this guy on the ground and get his arms immobilized, it's almost like, it's, it seems like you went back to that initial impression you had made. This is a kid yeah. having a horrible day. Yeah. And just needed somebody to be there for him. Exactly. And every single day that I worked inside that school and coached that football team, there was kids not having good days. Yeah. So I'd been through it. I, I saw the kids. I lived with the kids, you know. This might have been the worst extreme example this was, of it. This was this... the worst extreme, but that's why I was able to act the way I acted because I knew the kids. I I, under, I fully understood. And I'm, I'm not talking, you know, I'm sitting back and just reading articles and like, ooh, these kids are, these kids are poor or these, you know, kids today are going through this. Kids yeah. today, social media is tough for them. Not no, understanding I was, it from an intellectual level, yeah. from an emotional, personal, human no level. No doubt. Human level. I'm, I'm, I'm there every single day at 7 a.m. when the kids come to school. I'm there and, you know, at, at 3.30 they leave and I'm still there. And I see them at lunchtime. I see. So, so I've been, I, I emotionally, I know at that point I knew what these kids were going through. You know, and I had it. I have, and I still have a really good understanding from my experience coaching and, and working at that school of just what the youth today, in general, um, everywhere around the country are going through. And so, in that moment, again, like you said, there was no like the threat was kind of eliminated. The gun was out of my hand, out of his hands, and then it became about okay, how do I protect this kid? You know, how can I look out for this kid? How can I make a difference in this very moment that might last him a lifetime? And my way of doing that was was holding him close and giving him a hug, sharing a conversation. We ended up, you know, sitting down and, and speaking and, and talking. And while I, while, while I kind of held him a little bit um, as he was going through this crisis um, until the police arrived, probably 15, 20 minutes. Um, wow. And... It's, we see this quick video clip of this all happening and you kind of diffusing this and then mm -hmm. a hug. But 15 or 20 minutes? There was so much more. Yeah. There was so much more. Hands the shotgun to this other teacher. And then they stand here and embrace. And they're talking to each other. And the embrace continues. And it's just an absolute, you know, stunning situation. It so was very powerful. The and, then, and then you also think about, and this is a message that I, I always gave to my kids 
uh, as a coach and I will continue to do it as a coach and mentor is like, it's, it's, you don't, um, you are who you are, uh, when no one's watching or whatever, whatever the quote is. Um, kind of like your character is revealed. Yeah. Your character is revealed. Um, it's when no one's watching. Right. And that was like a moment where no one was even watch. No one was supposed to right. see all of that. The world has seen it. And then you all weren't... of a sudden there's a can, you know, there's yeah. a camera up there yeah. and, and then the, the video, it goes out and all that long after this incident happens. And it was, it was cool for me because it was like, Oh wow. People actually, they're seeing like, they're seeing my, my character. Yeah. They're seeing, how how I handled this situation because up until then it was like the hot headline on CNN, NBC, AVC, outside the lines, ESPN, everywhere. Uh, Portland football coach tackles student with gun. You yeah. know, I was like, I'm I'm sitting there like, bro, I did not tackle, I didn't tackle this kid. Yeah, well, I, I didn't tackle this kid. I took the gun and I right. gave him a hug. That's what happened. But that's hard to communicate in the midst of the craziest day of my life. Yeah, and the craziest week, you yeah. know, of my life. Right. Um, so it, was, it wasn't it was cool that football coach tackles school shooter. Right. And it that was, was a headline everywhere. Football coach diffuses suicidal kid. That's it. That's it. And um, so when the video came out, it was like, wow, cool. People are really seeing it for what it was now. Yeah. Because before that, it was, oh, this kid's this kid's uh, he's bad right. you know or he's he's a maniac he's evil who's gonna hurt other people <laughs> exactly yeah. this kid is evil and that's not what i saw this kid was not evil yeah you know these kids you know they, they, he was going through something and just because you're going through something just like addiction yeah doesn't mean you're a bad person we all go through something everyone's fighting a battle that that you know no one knows that you're fighting i am right now we are you yeah. probably right everyone's 100%. fighting 100%. something that nobody knows about and that's what we have to understand about each other is just humans and yeah. and people and you know other people in your community and everyone around you is is everyone's going through something and that was a moment where someone was going through something and by the grace of the universe i was put there to diffuse that and stop that i think the universe sent the right person in me and and it kind of set me up as you know, I look back that whole that moment right there that the whole world saw and that thousands and thousands of people have reached out to me still to this day about that whole thing was set up from tragedy when my best friend overdosed and passed away. That whole moment right there. The only reason I was in that moment right there was because my best friend lost his life. And to me, that's powerful. That's profound. Yeah. Right. My best friend lost his life. And that led to me, his best friend, saving a life, you know, and I felt his presence through the whole thing. I, I still feel his presence as I walk through life right now. And to, it, it's, it's powerful. It's yeah. powerful. You obviously were in the public eye from that situation. You hope people took positive lessons from that, mm -hmm. and that it wasn't just sort of the news news item of the day. You know, it's a scary situation. Um, you know, we were in the headlines, but we were in the headlines, and it wasn't a tragedy. So that I'm just thankful for that. But eventually, you know, you sort of you're not the news item of the day. Is the book a, a way to kind of make sure that the lessons of that day aren't lost? Yeah, I think that's very well, very well said. Um, the book is is my voice the book is my story and our story 
as a Park Rose football team and as those students, student athletes walked through life and went through some of the things that they went through, um, the book sheds light on all those things. And it's cool because I tell the story, um, you know, first person, I tell the story of, of Park Rose and the, the day I got the job and, and how that went and those conversations, first time I met the kids. First time I found out what this kid was going through and this kid was going through. When my when they started to change things about me, right? And the lessons I learned, I got to put all those into writing. And then I got to do flashbacks about some things I learned as a kid. I got to do flashbacks about some of the lessons I learned from my dad, some of the lessons I learned from my friend passing away, some of the lessons I learned from Coach Chip Kelly and the University of Oregon football team and some of the teammates I had. So it's cool, I got to write it in a way where I get to tell this story of this Park Rose, special, special group of kids at Park Rose, special student body at Park Rose, but I also got to do some flashbacks and tell, tell about my special journey at the University of Oregon and growing up in, in Gresham and Portland and Beaverton and all that. And, uh, and obviously then I get to, again, shed light on the situation that happened. So um, that, situ that situation and that video is gonna live on forever. Um, but that's just a small, small, small piece of how I ended up in that room at that time. The title of the book is Hometown Victory. Why did that make the most sense as the title and kind of lay out, you know, how, how it unfolds that, that it felt like that was, that was the right thing to call it? Yeah. You know, titles are, titles are, are big and important. And, um, I think we found it in, in Hometown Victory. I think it's something everybody, anybody, everybody can relate to. Just those two words. Everyone has a hometown, right? And a part of everybody, inside everybody, there, there's a part of them that, that wants to go back to their hometown and do something for their hometown. A lot of, maybe, you know, some people have bad experiences with their hometown, but I think most of us do love where we're from, you know? And I think it encapsulates what I'm about and what the book is about exactly is is you want to go back to your hometown and, and you want to do something for that community and, and you want to win. You know, you want to you want to you want to win for that community and you want to set them up to win. You know, so hometown victory, I, I really like how it how it came to be. And, and I really like how the how the title came to be and what it means to me. And again, I think it 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 means something to a, to everyone. I think everyone can relate to that title. And this book is is giving lessons and giving life lessons to parents, educators, student athletes, students, sports lovers, Oregon fans, anyone, right? Anyone. It's giving real life lessons and shedding perspective on um, what some of the things our youth are going through, what some of the things I went through as a kid that I think are valuable lessons to everyone. And um, and I, I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out. And I couldn't be more excited for, for people to get their hands on it. This is the first playoff win in the history of this school, fellas. Later that same year, 2019, Park Rose wins a playoff game for the first time ever? Yeah, yeah, we won. We the Later that year, yep, in my second year there, um, we totally turned turn the table, turned the page on everything, turned the page on the past, um, ended up winning the league for the first time ever, played Wilsonville High School, um, for the league championship at Wilsonville, 
um, and end up beating them. And Park Rose said they were zero and probably I think they were zero and fifteen against Wilsonville in the history. Of, you know, never won, never beat them before. Yeah. And we went up there and we beat them and won the league championship for the first time since you know whenever the 60s or whatever it was and then we go on and win the first the first playoff game in the history of the school and and some of the kids i got an opportunity to coach um i really got to highlight a few of them in, in the book and some of our best players were going through the most things and i think um by reading the book you can you'll start to get an understanding of of when you just see when you see a random kid waiting for the public bus you know and he's just you know on a, on a tuesday afternoon and you just see him and he looks a certain way so you have all these feelings about what everyone tells you that a person that looks like that is or how he is or going through this sheds perspective on well well this kid might be homeless this kid might be hungry this kid might be this you know and and uh i again i think life is all about perspective and i think this book is going to give a lot of people a, a different perspective on the game of football, on leadership, on high school coaching, on coaching football, on the power of sports, right? Uh, what that can do for young men and women uh, and, and sheds light on, on opioids and, and the mental health crisis and, and all these things. I got to put it all in one place that that'll essentially it'll live forever, you know, and, and I'm, uh, I'm really proud of that. And, and I've worked on it for two years, two two full years since since the pandemic started. That that the second week into the into the pandemic, I started writing this book, and it finally, you know, it, it was been to a lot of places, and a lot of people have seen it and worked with it, and I got a whole team behind it, all that thing, and um, it's finally out for everyone to have and enjoy, and and I just hope someone somewhere can take one lesson from it, and I'll be happy. Where do you go from here? I mean, you've 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 gotten back into college coaching a little bit, right? I was, yeah. yeah. The update of kind of where you know from the pandemic when I started writing this book, I've been to a lot of places and have gained. When I talk about perspective, have gained even more perspective on life and coaching and football and and new places, living different places. Um, so yeah, essentially the pandemic happened. All the high school sports kind of got suspended, and and that was up in the air, unknown. Again. My life is is awesome, and and I've been very blessed to meet really good people that have helped me have helped put me in positions to succeed. So I get another call from my boy Chip Kelly, and he knows I'm coaching high school football. He knows that high school football is up in the air to even happen, and he's like, "Hey, I got a position up here at UCLA. I don't know what you're doing for work right now, but if you need a job, I'm I'm here." and the day he left Oregon, I'll never forget it. And I got a chance to highlight this in the book. He said he would always continue to look out for us um, as Oregon Ducks, his team, that he would always look out for us as life continued to move on. And he's, he's stuck to his word, man. He's, he really has. Um, and that goes back to how many Oregon Ducks he's drafted and, and, yep. and got giving, on his teeth. Giving jobs too. Giving jobs and all that. And I'm, yeah. I'm thankfully one of those people that he's continued to help. So, yeah. Because so, when you get to UCLA, DJ Davis is there. Yep. Rams and Gold Passion's yep. there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome. So he, uh, he essentially gave me a job during the, during the pandemic. Um, and so I worked there for a year. Um, and then uh, I went out, went out to Nebraska to, to coach with Scott Frost, 
my former receiver coach, OC, how to really have a really good relationship with him. And uh, as this book has kind of been closer and inching and inching closer to, to coming out, I've, again, decided to take a step back from the coaching thing. Um, the college coaching thing kind of happened kind of by chance sure. and circumstance and uh, financial. I need money. I need a job, this and that. Um, but during those those full two seasons, uh, that whole time I was working on this book and writing this book in between things and in between meetings and doing calls with certain people. And and uh, so it was really cool how it all came together. I continue to chip away at it. And uh, so 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 after last year at Nebraska, um, as this book was inching closer to coming out, I decided to, to take a step back and and go. Uh, I decided to go figure it out and uh and give this book uh as much effort that i put into it i wanted to to give this book as much effort um as i can put into it uh, as far as is is getting it out there and, yeah. and doing the things that it that i you know need to do in order for it to reach the people that i wanted to reach and i didn't want to be working for a, a college program and kind of have a brand in front of me and doing all that um and uh so i decided to take a step back and and it's really exciting. I get I'm kind of entrepreneurial right now, and and kind of get get to pick and choose with the projects uh, that I get to do and work, get to work on, and and uh, it's really fun for me because I have a whole bunch of projects that I am working on right now, and um, and I'm excited to just continue to to put things out there um, that are going to help people. lessons of this book and making sure people grasp the message you're trying to communicate nothing will distract you right now from putting yourself into just trying to get that across to as many people as possible exactly exactly right yep and it's again i've, I've worked tirelessly of, of getting this thing out and 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 making it quality you yep. know and and an early conversation when i started to write this book with my co-author was we could very easily write the 10 coaching commandments by Keenan Lowe and, and do it like that. But it was like, well, let's be more creative. Let's see if we can write a book that maybe a kid in eighth grade, maybe this will be the first chapter book he's ever read in his life. Cause it's a football book. It's fun. It's real life stories with real lessons, you know? And that was kind of my vision. Maybe this, this book can, can be freshman year reading in the Portland public school you know districts around the state maybe eventually it could get there um, because there's real life lessons that that the youth and that teachers and all those need to be discussed in classrooms in my opinion um, so i put a lot of effort into this book a lot of love a lot of care um, so now i'm kind of just i'm i'm kind of letting it roll right now and and i've never been scared to 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 go off and figure things out and do my own thing and and uh, if I'm even the way I live my life, if I if I'm even remotely questioning or if I'm remotely uh, unhappy in any way of with what I'm doing as far as jobs and working and doing those things, I'm just I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to waste any breath uh, doing something that I don't want to do. And right now I wake up every day excited 
to continue to do the things that I want to do. And this book is a big part of it. And once this book is done, or once it's out, I'm going to be relieved. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to keep chipping away at some of the other projects I have going on. And I will say though, when I get a chance to come back to Oregon high school football in the right situation, I'm coming, you know, and I, and I'm excited for, for the future. And, and I will, I will be back in coaching at some point. I don't know when, maybe a two, maybe two years, three years, maybe next year. I don't know, but when I come back to, to high school football, it, it's going to be fun, and it, it would be here in Portland, and and uh, yeah, I, I'm just excited for everything in the future. Thanks for joining us on the Mighty Oregon Podcast, a production of Sport and Story and Learfield IMG College. You can support the Mighty Organ Podcast by going to wherever you find your podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm your host, Rob Mosley. Producer for the Mighty Organ Podcast is Tony LaBarbera. Supervising producers are Bart Pullman and Kelly Shukart. Executive producer at Sport & Story is Bo Mattingly. Theme music for the show is composed by Sweet 25. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.